I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wilford sets off upfield. He wants a speech that'll run onto it. It might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will score. Hello, Broncos fans, and welcome to this year's episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch, and we're joined on the line, not by Simo, but our good friend, Benny. How are you doing, Benny? I am very well, thank you, Mitch. How are you? I'm good, mate. Well, not. I'm saying that for the podcast, but I, we're both in lockdown. I'm in Sydney. You're in Melbourne. Simo's up in Rocky. You know, most of the Broncos fans are split around the country, but I'm, I'm, I'm surviving. And uh, here for Broncos therapy, I think... I do think though, if I was in this last, if I was in lockdown last year with how bad we were last year for this long, I might have lost my mind. Thankfully, yeah. you don't suck so much now. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can vouch for being last year stuck lockdown uh, yeah. and being terrible, and I confirmed that my mind was lost. Yeah, that's it. So I thought we'd do. It's been a few weeks since we've done a podcast. I don't know, four or five. The fans know more than I do. I've lost the concept of time. But uh, we thought we'd do a podcast. We'll do talk a bit about the the last couple of games that are you know last month to six weeks. Then go over you know the recent sign news and all that jazz and talk uh, talk about uh, answer your questions. We'll start though. How are you? How's the vibe check for you, Benny, mate? Since pretty much that Tigers game when we we got thumped, how have you been feeling about the team from like round nineteen forward? Uh, best way to describe it would probably be cautiously optimistic. Um, yes. There, there's been some good signs. There's still been some, you know, questionable things that have happened on the field, uh, especially while certain players are off. But overall, the vibe is cautiously uh, optimistic. I, I think that there's been enough going on on field to give us uh, a little bit of hope for next year in terms of, you know, stringing probably a couple of wins, wins together in a row. We're still going to obviously get beaten by good teams like the Storm and, and South and that sort of thing. But mm. uh, definitely optimistic going forward, just knowing that our forward pack can still compete pretty much week in, week out with, you know, whatever's in front of us. We've matched it with Penrith a few times, Para, Cowboys, you know, we can, we can play the middle pretty well and it's just going to be, you know, finishing off sets and, um, being able to build kick pressure that I think is going to be the biggest thing for next year. So optimistic. Yeah, I agree with you there. My, my biggest concern, and I do think 
many would be uh, over, like not rating this shit, not paying attention to it. My biggest concern is we haven't left Brisbane since, and it's not since the start of lockdowns because we were in a Brisbane run before the lockdowns. We haven't left Brisbane since round 14, like June 12th. And we know with this lot that they've always been a better team at Suncorp than away. And I just worry that we might be factoring into a bit like they're at home, they're in their normal environment. They're playing Suncorp every week. It's pretty easy for them to prepare for games at the moment. And I'm worried that has some impact that we're not really paying attention to. That's why I'm cautious. But overall, I think this team, considering, you know, they've, they're down on troops. Like we let Pangon and Lodge go late. Carrigan, despite my thoughts of him, is a player who's, you know, not playing the rest of the year. They're pretty down on forwards. But still, almost every week, they've found a way to compete in the middle. And, you know, guys like Payne Haas, who I've, there's different news that conflicts every second day on his contract. Now <laughs> the latest news is like, oh, apparently we actually paid him more this year. I don't know, but Payne has been exceptional since Lodge and Payne guy left. It feels almost like he's owning the pack more since then. And other guys like you know Keenan Palacia, who's suspended, or whatever he stepped in and looked like a decent middle. Kobe Hetherington looks like a decent lock. Ethan Bullmore might not have a future at the club. We still haven't got that confirmed, but he's been good off the bench. Willison looked all right. Kennedy has probably reverted back to type a little. And I know Flegler had a, a Barney on the weekend, but there was two or three good games before that. And it's like maybe he's had that post-origin bump. I'm not ready to fully believe in him again yet, but at least we finally, finally saw some signs of the player we thought he could be. So there's some positivity there. And then it, it does feel like still... Compete in the middle, but they're missing the kick press you mentioned. Man, we don't pressure any kicker ever. No wonder we we stuck at the fusing kicks. The yeah, kick pressure is woeful, and, and the polish isn't there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think with what you mentioned earlier about playing in Brisbane for so long, I think that the funny thing with that is it could probably go two ways. Um, given how our squad looks at the moment and everything like that, being able to play at home and we've seen them actually put good performances in like back to back to back. That can be a good thing going forward that we have played all these games at home because it's building confidence going into an off season. So they take that into the off season, they take it into the preseason feeling better about themselves, hopefully not getting ahead of themselves, but feeling better about themselves knowing that they have competed with these teams. And then hopefully they can start next year on the front foot with that confidence from you know, that we've built from playing at home this year. So it could go two ways. We might just completely fall apart when we do <laughs> have to go to Sydney or whatever it is and play footy. But um, yeah, um, again, it's one of those things that could go either way. Uh, also with the, you know, the kick pressure, obviously that's defensively putting kick pressure on, but also when we've got the ball in terms of building pressure with our kicking game, that's oh something God. that we just haven't been able to do. We even, hate it. Even though, even since sort of Ben Hunt, like, he wasn't the world's best kicker. He'd have some games where he kicked amazingly well and he'd have some games where he kicked shocking. So being able to build pressure via the boot of Reynolds next year is going to be something that I think will almost, you know, transform this team more than anything else. Just being able to yeah. compete, you know, every set by having a good kick on the end of it, whether it's an attacking kick that we can land on the line uh, or just kicking to corners and, and you know, kick chase. So, Yeah, we like to cut corners still with the ball in hand. We, li- we like to, you know, think we can get something easy. You know, we, we try to score too often, but also they put in these, like, gimmicky kicks all the fucking time. 
like they they cheeky kick or a fourth tackle long kick with a terrible kick chase, and it's like you're hoping you're nailing some kick, and what we're going to pin them down. But like when you got a bad kick chase, you can't kick on fourth tackle, and they do that all the time, and they're just trying to get the easy way out of it. Whereas like a lot of the time, as you, as you said, build finish your set strong, put a good kick on the end of it, pressure the other team, and wait till they crack. And we hate doing that. And the last game, like. I'm happy Milford had a couple of good moments before he left. And I know people have watched those games and they've seen the parts of Milford they don't want to lose. Yeah. But I've seen the parts I'm happy to be rid of. And in that last game, like, again, first half against the Sharks. End of the first half, Haas has gone off. I don't know why we go to shit when Haas goes off, but Haas has gone off. We were leading after 20. We concede in the 24th minute or so. And then, like, at the end of the half... We decide we're down by – it's 10 minutes ago and we're down by 13, it felt like. Like, Milford ran the ball on last tackle from our half with five minutes left in the first half, down one score. And they did that again in the set start of the second half. And that was like Milford and Kelly chose to do that. And you just see it again. It's like that's guys who are like trying to find the easy way out. The hard way is kick it deep push the line speed up, work your way back into the game. The easy way is I'll run it here. If it doesn't work, go, oh, well, I tried something. Yeah, I think they did it two sets in a row to end the first time as well. It was um, very uh, One was just over halfway and one was still on our side of halfway. But, yeah, like you said, the situational awareness of anyone in the spine, like really we've got to include that because even though he's not a main playmaker, but – the, yeah, the situational awareness of anyone in the spine is horrible at the moment. Like, Turpin can put a few good kicks in, but they're not at the right time. Yeah. You know, it's like when we've got a seven tackle set, he'll kick on the third or fourth. And that just nullifies having that seven tackle set. Like, you use a seven tackle set right to the last tackle so you can put in an attacking kick in. Uh, but, you know, every now and then he'll just be like, oh, we're on a bit of a roll. I'm just going to kick it down despite the fact that we are on a good roll you know, yeah. and we can actually get to an attacking kick at the end. And then the other flip side is we're not on a roll. So they try and break the line, you know, 45 meters off our own defensive line. Yeah, I hate those occasions. Well, one you're mentioning, I remember a few of them now. We have like this good set going and then Turpin kicks it into touch for some yeah. reason on fourth tackle, like 20 out from their line. It's like, mate, you didn't even pin them. You just, you just <laughs> kicked it into the 20 out. Like that's not winning the field possession battle. Field position battle is one in their 10 meters. Yeah. You know? That's the whole two and 10 thing. You want to make your first yeah. two tackles and keep them within their 10 meter line. Yeah. And Tessie is part of that problem, as you mentioned, but you look at the other guys again and like Milford's on our problem, but he's 27. Albert Kelly's 30. Jake Turpin's 24, I think. And he's played about 50 first grade games. Now those guys, sometimes you still talk, they do the same thing. And you're like, my God, fellas, like, can you just, just stop doing that. Like, I know it's fun. I like when we score exciting tries and do things like that. But can we just select for once, get in the tour for over five or so sets and see what happens? And in this game, in the last game against the Sharks, we were doing it for like 15 minutes and we were m- m- motoring downfield and they get bored. Yeah. They get bored playing that way. And if Payne Haas goes off, they don't like, they seem to now know they have to get the ball to Payne on tackle three or four. They now know to end a set, they want the Payne Haas play the ball before a full momentum kick. They want to tackle full play. They're all from Payne Haas, so the kick is easy. They know that. So when he's on the field, they do go back central. Yeah. When he goes off, it's like, oh, well, we'll just go sideways and 
kick it yeah. early. <laughs> that, that's the biggest thing that I think, you know, that we'll notice next year is that Payne's yeah. job becomes exponentially easier because of Reynolds. Like yeah. Reynolds can direct the team around and he can get people into where he needs to be. But yeah, at the moment, Haas is taking those fourth tackle hit ups like Gallon did, but he's only doing, he's doing good things on those yes. fourth tackles. Like, yeah, from, out, from halfway. Us, yeah, he gets us on that front foot and we can actually put, you know, a, a decent kick in to follow that. But that's, yeah. like you said, when Haas goes off for those sort of 15, 20 minutes uh, either side of half time, it does really fall fall to bits. And I think that's that's where our game really suffers. Like the first sort of, after the initial, I think five or six minutes against the Sharks, um, they started breaking the line at will. Well, Payne Haas did for the most part. Yeah. But they, every set, we would just break the line. We'd make sort of 60, 70 metres a set. And they did that for 20 metres or 20 minutes following that opening exchange. Yeah. And obviously Flegler hits the bloke high but maybe not four weeks high but yeah and that really sort of halted what we were doing and you know we conceded sort of 14 points in that next sort of 15 minutes which really cost us the game in the end but they were doing so well they were doing the simple things right and they were making so many meters up the middle and as soon as Haas goes off that just stops yeah and, and their just- defense has really improved it has but they're still not very good at at, at dealing with um, what would I say? Like they when they don't deal with a poor decision going against them or a mistake. They're not very good at against like what 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 is it's it? Adversity. That's it. Adversity. I was gonna say controversy, but that's not <laughs> the word. Obviously, it's adversity. No, that's, they're not. That's what the commentators use. That yeah, they're not very good at dealing with adversity without pain. The defense has got a lot better, and I think a lot of it's come down to like modern game. The game's changed a little bit. Like we haven't got. We've spoken about this before. We had like we used to have four or five really good media eating props. But they all were those guys who just like to stand on their heels and defense or like, you know, Lodge would pop out the line often, whatever, but he'd happily leave the gap on his inside shoulder. Like we used to have, the, we used to crumble around the ruck a lot and we've got more mobile around the ruck. Like. Yeah, Joshua well, Guire, like, but, but it's been good I there. But look at, look at the eight weeks and who's been starting at lock. And I, I don't think it's fantastic, any sort of surprise eh? that our middle has tightened up with Kobe in there. Like going out to really whack blokes around that sort of waist and hip area. Like he's he's hitting. I wouldn't say hitting to hurt, but he is hitting to hurt. Like he wants to make an impact every time he makes a tackle, and he gets up. He drives the line speed, and and Turpin's good at this as well. So we've yes. actually got a little bit of line speed to us. It still can be a lot better, but you know, because you've got guys like Glenn on the edge who are obviously a bit of an anchor. So once we have guys like Capewell and you know Piakura or whoever it else is going to be on the edge. We can actually yeah. have some line speed to us, and I think Kobe has definitely started to lead that. Yeah, I agree. And he's, you know, he's often, you know, good stat, bad player. Kobe's bad stat, good player. Like yeah. his stat sheet is never impressive because he just makes his tackles and makes like sixty to eighty meters. But when you watch him play, you you notice him hitting people. Like you notice his tackles, and we we all know have you know not doing the old having you know played the game guy, but when there's a dude like Kobe in the middle and you're at first receiver for a hit up, he's one of those guys you'd look for. Yeah. I don't get, I don't look, I don't want to run at him and get hit by him. Yeah, and it's good to have attack, one of those guys. Yeah, you make yeah. the attack question their route. You know which way yeah. they're going to run. Like we've all, I've played next to guys like that. My little brother was exactly that guy. He was someone yeah. that would just hit hard in defense, and he'd make people run away from him despite his size. And Kobe is much the same. You know, 
and that's and that's a really really good thing and even when he's got the ball in hand he's still running with intent he's not going to break the line like Haas will but he definitely tries to find his front a lot like a bit like he Friday does. used to do so you know he can find his front and get away a good play the ball for someone like Haas to actually make those meters yeah so he, he's been good and I guess like that my f- frustration with the spine exists but it's like like we just we know you don't want to put too much hope in Adam because it's it's a lot of expectation for the guy, but we know he is going to finish his sets well. That is like from the day he got into first grade, that was his bread and butter. He's improved on every facet since, but he was always good at ending sets effectively. So we know that's going to happen next year, and that feels like a massive relief for some of these problems. And it also feels like he might help them calm down when their backs against the wall, because that's still the way we've lost games the last few weeks. And because we've been in them for, we've been in almost every game for 60 minutes. And there'll be a 15, 20 minute period where we lost that football game. Even in the Tigers one, it was like 15 minutes. We conceded all those points. And you just want someone there who can calm the boys down. And Payne Haas is our leader right now. But, you know, it's still a lot of an expectation on a guy. He might be playing like the best prop in the game, but he's still 21 years old. And that's not a, le- a 21 year old is not a leader of men. That is not. And we don't want him to be a leader. No. Like that's that's why we're getting someone like Reynolds. And even Catewell. Catewell is going to, I think he's yeah. going to be a really, really astute buyer for that forward pack because he's got that experience now of having played Origin. You'd almost call him, you know, a, a walk-up start to the Origin side now in the back row. Yeah. And, you know, just when Haas goes off, you're just having that couple of guys in there like, like a Reynolds, you know, to be able to take care of everyone out the back. And then Kate will just in the pack saying, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. Let's just get to our point and then Adam finish the set. That's all we need to do when pain's off. Yeah. You know, we don't need to change anything. We don't need to do anything special. Like if, if anything, let's get more boring while pain's <laughs> off the field so we can actually just complete our sets, let him have his break, let him come on and change the game again. That's it. And then I know the last few weeks, I'm, one thing I'm really happy that they all like, it's almost been a good thing we had injuries because all these other forwards have shown they can play 20 minutes or so. Like I think it's helped the club calm down on that massive, they were chasing this forward leader and yeah. They've, they've ruled them all out bar Ryan James. Which I think we might be signing Ryan James. And that's the one I w- wouldn't have minded. But that's a- that's actually a guy I wouldn't mind being the guy who comes off a pain house. Because the one thing he's always been really good at is like controlling the ruck. He yeah. loves a bit of a wrestle, slowing it down. And it's like, that's the kind of guy I want coming on when, when Haas is off. A guy's happy to do the basics and play slower. You know, yeah, calm yeah, down. exactly right. Just be in the middle and tighten it up and... Yeah. You know, just do his little, you know, he only has to do is take what eight to 10 runs, make some meters, make his tackles, yeah. get off again. Exactly right. You know, a bit of kick pressure, be a bit of blocking for Reynolds kicking when he comes on. And so I, I'd be happy with that signing, but I do think they've, I mean, they've ruled out Napa, Woods. We ne- Woods is never really a thing, but no, ruled out Napa, ruled out Woods, Maguire. And yeah, Ryan James is the one they haven't ruled out. And I believe that they're, they're close on, on something there, which I wouldn't mind. But uh, the rest of the guys done all right. I guess outside of the forward pack, though, uh, Hooker, I mean, we both know that's a massive issue. I'm not really going to talk about it. That's not changed by next year. It's just not. Yeah. So uh, not going to talk about that. But what do you think about the last couple of weeks? We've got Tessie at fullback, uh, Corey Oates' resurgence on the left wing, and the and the center combination of Selwyn Cobbo and Herbie Farmworth. How are we feeling about the performance of those guys? I think for the most part, they've been really good. Um, again, I still don't see Tessie as our long-term answer at fullback. I just, yeah. I just don't. He's not, you know, he's done a, an admirable job. An admirable job, sorry. I agree. 
but he's I just think he still lacks in maybe desperation he's confident sort of under the high ball despite being sort of short but there's still just a few little positional things obviously getting to the ball while it's in the in goal bouncing around he has some real trouble with a bouncing ball he hates um, the ball on the ground it's bizarre yeah. he's short but he loves the high ball yeah. hates the ball on the ground um, you know, and so obviously Corey's done a pretty good job for the most part. Like people thought he knocked the ball on last week, but it showed that it actually came off Herbie. So, but you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's been good. He's been really good the last sort of six weeks. We've missed his go forward and carry, mm-hmm. I think when he wasn't in the side, um, Cobo was good. Uh, I think he's shown glimpses of what he can actually do. I'd, I'd really love to see him get, uh, some time at fullback over the preseason. I just think he's. Yeah. He's more natural in that position, uh, bigger body, quicker. Herbie's, I mean, Tessie's quick, but he's not Selwyn quick. Cobo, nah, I think he yeah. showed in that Sharks game just how quick he is. Yeah, Tessie's uh, speed is actually a concern of mine for a fullback. Mm, he's not and, slow, but we've seen a couple of times on support. He's got caught as a support runner. You never want your yeah. fullback getting caught. Yeah, <laughs> and um, also I think, you know, we've sort of spoken about Herbie a fair bit. We're both pretty big fans of his, and all he needs is just somebody to um, – to get him that ball, just whether it's a fraction earlier or after the inside man is drawn in their center a little bit, just to give Herbie that bit more space. I think, you know, he, he's on the, he's on the verge of breaking out a few games, I think early next year. And if we can, if we can have, you know, whether it's Reynolds or Stags or whoever inside him, giving him some early ball or a bit more space, then uh, I think he's going to do really well and he can kick as well. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I really like Herbie's work. I know some fans complain he doesn't pass enough, but it's like, it's not very often I see him get a touch where I think pass is an option. He never no. often gets put into space yeah. in two on ones or anything. Often yeah. he just gets given the ball in a bad position and he makes 15 meters somehow. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think he's, and you know, he did throw a pretty bad pass against the Sharks, and we're like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe that's why he doesn't pass as much. But yeah, the passing game can be taught, especially to a center. It's, you know, yeah. passing passing is a skill that you can definitely develop as a um, as a center. You know, it's not like you have to be a playmaker and throw rockets at a 15, 20 meter cutouts. You can learn to draw and pass fairly easily. So I imagine that that's something they'll work on over the preseason as well. Yeah, and I, I do like Tessie's potential, I, but I just I'm with you. I don't really know where he's going to sit for us. But there's still, and I know he's learning at fullback, but there's still too many moments where he's a bit too casual. Like Jermaine had them. Jermaine's were worse, but Tessie chasing those kicks that are low and then taking air swings at them. He's done it like three times now. It's like, mate, yeah, like, definitely. just get the your hand on the ball. Hands, you know, yeah. like fall on it, dive on it, bat it. Don't swing wildly with your foot trying to boot it out of the stadium. Yeah, the hardest thing to kick is a bouncing ball. <laughs> it is. It is. And he's getting really involved, which is what I like. But uh, yeah, just positioning is not fantastic at the, at the back there. And, he, and he's good on the high ball, which is weird. That he's yeah. good on the high ball, but not really good the rest of it. But you just, you know, we've all got hopes of a, a higher ceiling fullback, you know, like a Cobo who's big and physical and similar. And, you know, maybe Tessie ends up in the centers again. I don't know. But I do like Cobo as well. And I'm with you. I'm, not, I'm still okay if they go into round one next year with Tessie as the fullback, just with how things are playing. But Love to see Cobo play the, the preseason games there. He's actually been faster in first grade than he looks in Queensland Cup, Cobo does. Yeah. Whereas, and Tessie, like a couple of times as well now, he's been support runner. He supports okay, but when you get the ball in support, like 30 out from the goal line as a fullback, you should score. And he's sure. been caught like two or three times doing that. Yeah. He's just not fast enough. 
I think he's got to sort of. I think he's got to start pushing up um, on that left hand side with Herbie as well. Yeah. Um, too too often Herbie ends up lone wolf out there. You know, breaking tackles, poking his head through, getting his arms free. Yeah. but not having anyone quite there to support him. And I think Herbie, uh, I think Tessie needs to start recognising where his support play is best suited. And I think yeah. it's definitely push up with Haas through the middle, but then get out wider to Herbie. Because when we spread the ball early to Herbie and he's got time and space, he's inevitably breaking the first tackle. So I think yeah. that's where he's got to start, um, you know, setting himself up. Yeah. And that's one thing I do think Reynolds will bring as well. Is he's not, the best runner of the ball. Everybody knows this, but he's one of the best line engagers in the competition just with these like subtle work with the ball in hand. You know, he feigns a kick or, or dummies a little or whatever. And all it takes is to draw the shoulders of the you know edge back rower inwards to create space for a center. And I just think that's where we might see with Reynolds some more some more good ball going to both Herbie and whoever the right center is. I think that's it. the way he works. And that's the key there, good ball. We've seen yeah. our halves run and the one thing that I notice about the rabbits when they play football is from cook to Reynolds, from Reynolds to Walker, from Walker to Mitchell, from Mitchell to whoever the ball is in front. Every time there is no reaching back. There's no turning back to catch it. It is out in front. Their hands are up and it's clean and it's quick. And I think that's going to be a massive thing for when Reynolds engages the line with us is he's going to put the ball in front of stags. He's going to put the ball in front of Herbie. And they're going to be able to just get the ball on the fly and do their thing off the back of it. Yeah. And that's why you watch those teams sometimes. You're like, Geez, it looks easy for them. It's like, yeah, because all they do is like get their, they go forward and there's yeah, a crisp, smooth passing and it looks piss easy. <laughs> like as opposed to our stuff where everyone jinks and slows up and oh, throws a bad pass behind someone or. Yeah, well, I mean, that was one of the big things we've no- we noticed about Croft was he was so focused on being hit by the defensive line that he could never get away a clean pass. And when he did, it was like a shock to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I remember distinctly he threw a ball inside to Bullimore and he was almost surprised that he managed to do that because he just yeah. isn't focused on getting the ball to someone. He's focused on not getting hit by someone. And that's where yeah. Reynolds is really, really good. He's no real danger to break the line, yeah, but he ever. takes the ball right <laughs> to the line and then he dishes off after that. And that's something so simple, but so needed for our side. Yeah. And I guess the other thing we just talked about there, we mentioned the center options. Uh, maybe Cobo plays there. Maybe Herbie plays there. Been a bit of weird chat coming out the last couple of weeks from Gamble and Kelly playing all right, that that Stags will be center next year. And it's a long way away, but I still want to get your opinion on that. What do you think about like starting the season with one of the veterans at six and Stags in the centers? I'm I'm not a fan of it personally. I think where it's not so much weakening the sixth position because Stags is obviously going to have to learn it. Yeah. But it's a less talented person playing in our team when we could have a more talented person playing. And the more Stags gets the ball, whether it's six or three, mm-hmm. the better we are. So I think Stags having the six, he needs to have the six for the first four or six weeks. And if it's yep. an absolute failure. Sure, I'd rather see Kelly in there and then Stags go back to the centres. But for me, we've got to have Stags in. I think we can cover his centre spot in terms of a personnel better than what we can cover the six spot. So I'd rather see Arthur's in the centres. And if that means Cobo's on the wing with Oates on the other wing, I'm fine with that. 
same. And I, you nailed it there for me too, mate. Like six months ago when the Stag Center 16 came out, I didn't love it because I thought we'd, we could sign A6. Yeah. But we haven't done that. And Kelly and Gamble have been competent, but we feel like we're mixing competent with good. Like, because they haven't been as bad as, like, the, the disasters we've had, like, guys like Croft or even when Sean O'Sullivan played or whatever. They've been okay. So, we're like, oh, sweet. They're not that bad. No, that's boring. That's what doesn't win. Fo- winning football clubs don't do that. No. And and we've like, seen that Milford's come back and he's still been the most likely. Yes. Compared to, compared to Kelly, compared to Gamble. We've had Milford, who have been wanting out of the club for the last four months, come back and still prove that he's got more to his game than what Gamble and Kelly both do. So yep. just don't see how we can seriously go into the to the season next year thinking that having Kelly as our starting six or Gamble as our starting six is a better option than having Staggs, who's our best attacking player. I'd yep. rather give him let him let him play. Let him just do what he wants as a six. He doesn't have to play structure. He doesn't have to do anything like that. Just let him float both sides of the ball. And if he's more comfortable on the right, just let him set up on the right. It's fine. That's it. And uh, like, if they were going to keep Stags at six, sorry, Sander, I would have much rather like just signed a six there, not stuck with the guys we have there. But it just feels like you mentioned some names there, but we have like Cobo looks pretty good at right center. Uh, there's Jesse Arthur. So I've been pleasantly surprised. I'm happy for him to start at center next year. And we also signed Branko Lee, who like, we seem to have signed him and forgot we signed him, but it's like we signed all these guys who are all better footballers than Gamble and Kelly are. You know, and yes. like, just give Stag the shot at six, see what happens. And if it doesn't work, we can figure it out. But it just feels like the better, like the higher upside lineup has Reynolds seven, Stag six, and one of the many centers on at right center. Like, Yeah, definitely a higher ceiling. Yeah, like, I mean, Gamble did his job and brought enthusiasm and similar, but, like, him alongside Reynolds, I hate that. I oh, hate that idea. No good. No good at all. <laughs> no. Because Cam uh, Gamble's not a creator. He's just not. No. He's not He's not a tackle breaker. He's doesn't have a step on him. Yeah. He's literally someone who just brings that little bit of intensity, and we don't need that. We've got Kobe in the middle that can do that. Yeah. We've got someone now who can actually pass and kick properly as a half in Reynolds. We need some attack, and Stags is going to give us that attack. So. Yeah, exactly, mate. So, um, okay, I guess we've probably spoken enough about the the roster for now. I think we should probably move a bit forward into the signings and all the the other jazz that's happened the last few weeks. And I don't really know the line in the sand of the last time we spoke signings on here. I don't know if Brody Croft was confirmed gone yet, but he's gone now, which is great. But there's been a few signings in that period. Tessie's extended, Xavier Willison's extended, Paliasia extended, uh, Gamble Kelly, uh, Corey Jensen signed, Logan Bayless, who's a reserve grade prop, signed for two years, uh, Arthur's more years, uh, and also on top of that, may have lost Ethan Bullmore and have lost the giant VAR brothers, who I just don't care about losing prospects anymore. We have enough forwards, but. The recruitment drive is in full force. I don't love all of it, but I guess yeah. your general opinion, at least the direction they've gone the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I probably we probably don't have to talk about five of those seven signings. <laughs> yeah. just, they are what they are. I mean, Tessie extending, good news. Um, yeah. He's probably going to be in our first grade side next year somewhere, whether it's at fullback or possibly in the centres. Uh, Arthur's again... He, he extended for a couple of years and I'd, like we said just before, I'd be happy with him 
uh, starting the year at right centre. Uh, the VAR brothers, meh. I mean, like I've said before a hundred times that big Polynesian boys are, are playing footy all over southeast Queensland, like the Western Corridor, uh, Logan, everywhere like that. There is a dime a dozen down there. They're just big boys everywhere. They love mm -hmm. their rugby league. Picking up another couple of prospects in two years' time isn't going to be a problem for us. So I'm not unhappy we lost them. I'm not yeah, you know, same, mate. wringing anyone's neck for losing them as prospects. <laughs> big boys, yes. Bright future, possibly. Um, at the at this moment, I don't care about you know five years down the track. I want to see what's happening in the next sort of two to three years. So it's not too yeah. big of a problem. I agree with you there. Like they're giants, and that's I, I haven't actually seen them play much footy. I watched a little bit, and Xavier didn't excite me. But sometimes those guys, like that, you know, they're massive. They know it's piss easy. Sometimes I just loaf around in those in the junior games when they're that big. But uh, like yeah, they went to the Roosters. That's it's going to happen to us. You know, we're not, I realized what I did realize with this article, this is why I found more interesting when they spoke about the VAR brothers going, the quotes from their manager was like, Xavier and, and Della Sale are excited to work with, you know, the, you know, uh, great to the game, like Jared Weir, Hargreaves and mentioned current Roosters forwards. And I know we know this, but I guess it was a big realization for me is that guys now who are like under 18, they're no longer like fans of great Broncos. Like mm. they they didn't grow up with Petro and Webke. No, that's right. They were probably just that fraction too young. So they were yeah. growing up watching Jared dominate, you know, probably five years ago. So that's exciting for them to see that. Despite yeah. having Petro Sivanasiva on the coaching staff, they don't quite grasp how big of a personality and as a player that Petro might have been, you know, that it's just that yeah. fraction before their time that they just don't quite understand it. So, um, I mean, yeah, that's... Oh, it's just interesting that like, we can no longer rest on being the Broncos with that generation. Like, th yeah. these generations, Broncos are the Roosters and Storm. You know, exactly. then that's not us anymore. So, yeah. I just found those comments interesting. Like, yeah, looking forward to working with them. And then also mentioned Cooper Cronk. It's like, oh, yeah, fuck. These guys also... They were like eight when Lockyer last played. <laughs> so yeah. They don't know Darren Lockyer either. Yeah. So whatever, just it happens. I thought that was interesting. The one, um, and again, he's not a world beater. I just like his work off the bench. I really don't like the idea of just giving Ethan Ball more away. And I, I do believe he's. It's more of he wants to leave, than us want to let him go. Yeah, because he doesn't have a defined role for three years. Yeah. yeah, and that's the hard thing is he doesn't have a defined role and. That's something that we probably could have given him. I think a rotation oh, yeah. of him and uh, Kobe in the middle at, at lock could be unreal. Like they both have quick feet. You've got Kobe, who's more of the defensive, you know, mm. spearhead in the middle of the field, whereas Ethan is the attacking sort of guy, even though he defends very well as well. But yeah, it's one of those weird ones. I think they could have been a really good tandem, um, yeah. but obviously he wants a little bit more or we're not using it as well as he would like to be used. And uh, it seems like Manly can offer him a bit more of a role and, you know, it sucks to lose him because he, he has shown very good signs in his random appearances that we, we just haven't seen yeah. to give him, you know, three or four weeks straight, which, which sucks. And it's a bit confusing when you look at who else we've given game time to, but um, yeah, it's one of those ones that, it, you know, it's not going to break our side or anything like that. And it's not like we're losing a David Fafita, but, you know, he was a, a very solid performer and did all the little things really well, you know, support play and, you know, running off the hip of a half, which is always really good. So, 
yeah, that sort of sucks. It does. And again, not a world beater. I'm not like that's why I'm not going to lose sleep over. But yes, as you said, mate, it's you can't have a coach. This if you're from Ethan's position here, the coach preaches consistency, earn your spot, all that kind of stuff. But Ethan seems to be the guy that just got like he's played. I I don't remember he had bad games last year, but I don't remember him having a bad game this year. And he still gets just shuffled with someone else, and they're hoping to find better. Like you know, Xavier Willison looked pretty handy, but they didn't they didn't play Bullmore to handle hand Willison a debut for some reason. It's like yeah, why? And you know he got dropped after scoring in that Sharks game and like swinging, we won that game and Ethan was a huge part of us winning that game and he got dropped. It's like, you know, I don't know how you'd feel if you're him and if you get a club like Manly offering apparently three years in a better spot than we are, it's hard to go back to Brisbane and listen to them say, oh, we'll play you more next year because next year there's more cattle. Yeah. Let, next year, there might be less opportunity for him when you think exactly. about it. Like Carrigan's going to come back into the team whether we like it or not, that's just going to happen. Hopefully in a different role than what he was playing before he got yeah, hurt. If he starts over Kobe, I'll be, I'll be furious. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather him start up front with Haas. I, I don't Same. think that's a bad prop rotation there. Like, they both can play a good stint early, you know, both get to sort of 30 minutes. I'd rather sort of Paddy play, say, 25, let mm. Haas play 30 to 35, and then we can, you know, rotate him from there. But... um. Yeah, hopefully we use Patty in a different way, but yeah, it is what it is. It is, but yeah, I I don't love some of those signings they've made. Just they feel like roster filler, but it's like filler doesn't make me as mad as making terrible signings. And if we yeah. go into this off season, they were for, they've been offered so many guys, like we mentioned Napa and Maguire similar earlier. I know they offered Blake Ferguson at one point. You know they got offered all these guys who were like past their best football, who were going to take a fair wage. If my options were sign them or just wear that we sign guys like Corey Jensen, who you don't want in your best seven eights, okay, I'll wear that. You know, yeah. that's and I think Corey Jensen's probably going to be his, you know, given what we've seen from you know most of our forwards and our young guys this year, he he's going to be in the mid twenties in our squad. Like they'll have to be a number of injuries, I think, before he plays any sort of footy. Um, you know, because like I said, we only seen fifteen minutes of Brendan Piakura this year. Um, yeah, poor bloke. And, yeah, poor <laughs> suspended. Bloke. Wasn't a suspension. That was a terrible no. call. But um, you know, like like I said, our edges. If Piakura plays like he should and the way he is, then we got him on one edge with Capewell on the other. You've got Kobe at lock. You've got a prop rotation of Haas and Carrigan, and then Turpin at hooker. That's a decent starting pack. Mobile edges, a mobile back rower, and then two good guys that make meters in the middle. So. Um, you know, it's a good pack to be able to work off. And then we saw Willison. I thought he's been good up until hurting himself. I thought he actually showed, you know, a fair bit of promise. He probably didn't need to play. Um, but, yeah. you know, from what we did see, he was actually quite good. Like the the thing with him and Piakura and even Haas is they're all very thick through the lower body. Yeah. Real strong legs, real strong runners, not massive up top, which I think is a really good thing is it, they don't get, you know, taken down easily because they're really strong through the core and through the trunk. So having guys like that running through the middle and just on an edge, I think is a really, really strong sign for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about our pack for next year. Same. And Willison has that knack. And thank God his ACL isn't that bad. He might be fit for round one next year. But he, ha- he also seemed to be one of those guys who just popped up in the right spot. 
you know, not that bad to have a middle who just like seems to be around the ball. Like one of the tries you scored was, yeah. was was chasing a kick. It's like, yes, that's it. Chase the kick. Don't just stand still like our middles have been doing for years. Like, and he's got one of those gates that's hard to tackle too. Like he's yeah. that, like I said, you know, strong, thick trunk, but like very big gate. He's got big strides and makes it very hard to get your legs around. Like Petro had. Yeah. He was very much the same, you know, like he could just lunge into the line and it's very hard to get both arms around you, around his legs while he's running. So I think that, you know, he, he showed some promise, uh, probably prematurely, but he still he did. did mate. Yeah. And, and like guys like himself and Cobbo went in without having any like NRL preseasons as well. They're both underweight. You can see they haven't got enough muscle on them, but yeah. it doesn't actually affect, affect them that much. Like, so next year, like they'll look a lot better having a full preseason and being in the weight room the whole time. So, and even like Keenan Paliasia, like I don't like him on the edge at all. He was pretty handy when he played, and yeah, he, he was being our best seventeen. So I'm actually yeah, pretty he happy was, he with was the, the pack. The yeah, I think Jordan Ricky's all right now. Yeah, Jordan. I feel like I said I think he just needed that break. He looked tired, um, and then you know his last six weeks have been really good. They're the player that we were excited when we signed. You know, after Fafita left and. I think he'll only get better. He's, um, you know, he'll learn off uh, Capewell and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. You know, well, I mean, he could very well be starting next year in Alex Glenn's spot. And I'm, I wouldn't be unhappy with that either. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Ricky hasn't, he's had some games for the full 80 where he hasn't looked up to the speed for a full 80. Yeah. But the last couple of weeks, he was looking quite good. And next year, as you said, Pia Kura is in that 17 somewhere. And Rabadi probably is as well. There's a lot more cover on those edges at that point. And, Decent I thought TC too. was yeah. I thought TC was pretty average this weekend, but he hadn't played footy for like six weeks, so whatever. Yeah, he'll yeah. he'll be fine next year. Um, and one other contract stuff. We may as well talk about a little bit before we move on a bit further. The Painhouse contract stuff. What the fuck is going on? There's like a fifteen <laughs> different stories. Yeah, this is some uh, <laughs> very wild, wild speculation or whatever it is going around. There's some crazy stuff. It was refreshing to see. Uh, I can come out and say, no, this is all just a big storm in a teacup. We've had great discussions with him. We've bumped up his contract, you know, for the next few years. Um, You know, he's obviously playing very well at the moment. He's playing like he's happy. Um, And we're like, we're not going to lose him. Like, as soon as he needs to discuss anything, we'll sit down and discuss it with him. So it sounds like Ben Eichen's actually got his finger on the pulse here with this whole thing. So... I mean, media reports are obviously what they are, but it does sound like he's um, got to make sure that pain's not going anywhere. Yeah, like there was reports of a 10-year deal, which doesn't seem to be a thing at all. And then they then they started, instead of saying, oh, we got that wrong, Kurimel just changed reporting 10 years of being like from the start of his last contract for some yeah. reason. I don't know, that was weird. And then it's come out a little bit about a manager dispute and he's talking to Sonny Bill, which I don't care about, like, it's not like 15 years ago. There's lots of guys with Sonny Bill's mates now. It's like 15 years ago, it was like mundane Sonny Bill and Coda and let Sonny Bill fuck off. You know, well, like is one of Sonny Bill's mates too. Yeah, no, like I'm not worried about that with pain. Uh, but there's a, if there is a dispute with his manager, that's where the problems will arise for pain because he can't he can't sign a deal for like three years because of his yeah. manager. Then he can't sign his managers over. But I can put some water on the fire and thought it the same way that the rest of us thought about this. All we have is time. Yes. It's all we have. And they're trying and they're looking after pain. Yeah. And it's nice to have a good value deal, but it's even nicer to have a player like him who wants to stay at the club. So and let's we'll also not like you know, the, a lot of the the sensationalism that comes out with this is oh, is he gonna want to move to a better team? And 
you know, he wants to surround himself with better players and all that sort of thing. And that's already started, like I said, with the yeah. signings of Reynolds and Capewell. So, you know, that's just for next year. He's still going to have yeah. two years after next year. And I can guarantee you that next offseason, we're definitely going to be looking at some of the guys who are off contract so we can make signings for the 2023 season. So, that's it. you know, it's all they're only going to start putting even better players around him. So he's not feeling so alone in that pack you know i think um i think it'll be all right yeah and i don't believe like they keep saying they've got no cat space i don't believe that for a second this is what they say to the media like but like 2023 really is space. look at it 2023 really is when we'll have cat space because i know next year still we're paying bits and pieces of xyz or whatever but that's like 2023 they're definitely loading up for i don't know who but they're loading up for a big signing or two that's been coming for oh, a yeah. while and i you know whether we have to pay what might be overs it again the, the beauty of brisbane is the cost of living is cheaper than sydney yeah. so what ponga let's say ponga for example is making in newcastle or in sydney or whatever it might be might joey Marno even like what they're yeah. making in sydney we can pay them the same amount in brisbane and they're going to be making more money just because the cost of living is cheaper and third parties in brisbane obviously one team town better sponsorship opportunities and so on and so forth. So, you know, we might have to pay $50,000 more, which actually translate to a hundred, $150,000 more as a contract. Yeah, that's it. And, and I mean, the second Brisbane team, it may or may not be happening, but like, if it feels like one of those things that the NRL persisting with that nobody else wants, cause they can't admit it's not going to happen. Like the broadcasters don't want to pay for it anymore. There's not really like, no, I've seen nobody talking about it. No one gives a shit, honestly. Um, but that looks like it might be at least pushed back another year, which, which will help us. I mean, I, I, it feels like Cam Munster is locked in for whenever that team starts, if and when, but like, I'm not saying chase him, but that will help us steady the ship. And I think pain will be just fine. We haven't been that bad the last few weeks. And, and he can, see, he can see that the team is actually improving, mm-hmm. you know, week in, week out. And there's much better players to come. Like, it must be frustrating as hell being pain and harsh watching some of the decisions that our halves make. And just having yeah. someone coming in making smarter decisions is just going to make his job so much easier. He's not going to have to do as much work. He's not going to have to yeah. put the team on his back as much because we're just going to have those couple of guys around him that are a little bit better, a little bit more experienced uh, to be able to do what he does. Yeah, I think the best thing with the Haas too, though, mate, once those guys have gone, like Pangai and Lodge have gone, like for a while they were wondering, you know, he doesn't offload much or play the ball much. The day they went, he has been ball playing. Yeah. Like he's been pretty good. Like I like that. And then I don't want to keep adding more to his plate, but it just like spells good things for his future, being it's, more dynamic. Uh, and see, I don't think it necessarily adds more to his plate. I just yeah. think it adds more to his game. Yeah. So he doesn't have to just be one of, you know, he doesn't have to be you and Aitken where he doesn't pass the ball. He can actually run to the line and not have to carry three blokes 15 meters. He can get to yeah. the line and dish off and not have to take a tackle that set just to save his body a little bit for future carries, you know? Yeah. He had a game, I can't remember what round it was now, but he passed the ball like nine times in a game, which is a lot for a middle forward. Usually you touch it oh, 20 huge. times you run, and you run at most of them. But even the start of the year, he only offloaded once in the first 11 rounds and he's averaged an offload a game since then, which is still not a large amount of offloads, but it's a lot more than zero. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's a bit more true. Than his yeah, it is. And he's not just doing it willy-nilly either. He's actually choosing his moments. Like close yeah. to the line, he's set up a few tries just with a just with a pretty smart offload. 
because people aren't used to seeing it that often from him. And I think once people start seeing it more often than they play for it. So if he can actually just keep it where he uses it sparingly, yeah. that's actually probably better for him than trying to offload all the time. Because he doesn't becomes, need to be that guy for us. Yeah, he it becomes less predictable. Like, you know, there was times when Tavita would offload almost every chance and half of them just went to nothing. So if he can just use it as a time where it's actually going to be really beneficial, I think then, you know, that's even better for him. I've actually missed Tavita way less than I thought I would, by the way. Way less. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's a funny one, isn't it? Like, I haven't thought about him since I mean, the first game he ran on for the Panthers. I think he gave away a set restart because he was inside the 10, which yeah. I found absolutely hilarious. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't wish him any ill will. I hope he does well. I don't think he's going to win a premiership. But, um, you know, I think he it is what it is, like, it's not good riddance to him, but I think it's better that he's not with us anymore in terms of our football side makeup. Yeah, I agree, mate. And then you start seeing other guys step up and fill in. And that's that's been the best thing. The worst thing Brisbane did after Wayne was like, they just re-signed this one lot and thought, this is the lot. Yeah. And they weren't the lot. Because we've always got more kids coming and we lost a lot of them just then. But what a shock, there's more kids again. We don't need more. Every year there's more kids in Brisbane. And it's not nice when you lose Sam Walker and Reese Walsh. There's not many of them. But there's heaps of forwards. There's always going to be forwards and always going to be outside backs that will just come in and do their job. I think the, the worst thing about us re-signing the lot was there was no evidence to suggest that they were going to be the lot. Yes. <laughs> that, I think that was the worst thing. You know, like we didn't... There wasn't an under-20s comp where you could see them dominating. There wasn't, yeah. you know, a, multiple grand final wins in the Q Cup in a row to with that same core of young forwards or anything like that. There was nothing like that to suggest that we had five of the best 10 up-and-coming forward prospects in the game. There was yeah. nothing to suggest that except a little bit of, you know, sporadic performances. And all of a sudden, we decided we had to lock up homegrown talent like yeah, you can get talent mate. from anywhere. Like the talent is always going to come through Brisbane or you know the southeast Queensland region. It's it's not hard to find. Just you have to be a little bit patient at times and you know cast your net a little wider if you have to. But yeah, we're never in any danger of not having good forward stocks. Yeah, that's it, mate. And before we move on to questions. Awkward one with the timing at all, but Alex Glenn is playing his last game this weekend, retiring short of the 300 game mark for the Broncos, which I can't believe he didn't get there, but he didn't get there. Um, do you have any nice Glenn memories? People want them. The last years have been tamed enough for me that I haven't been able to pull up enough nice memories. Have you got any in your back pocket of good well, times of Alex Glenn? I mean, there's good times of Alex Glenn, but there's nothing. I don't think he was ever a player that left you with a memory that it was like, Whoa. you know, he was never a David Fafita style runner. No, you know, he was never, you know, and he didn't have the, I guess, the visible sort of attributes of like a Friday, you know, with his long curly hair or whatever it may be. So there was nothing massive that stood out about him. But I remember him being incredibly consistent for the first probably six to eight years of his career. He was really really solid on an edge he ran good lines he had good feet he could fill in at center when needed he defended well and he was a he was a proper leader like he was a captain that should have probably captained the broncos for four or five years um when it was actually the right time and but instead they gave the captaincy to friday um and then it was yeah. parker after that i think and then maybe boyd and i think he probably should have captained throughout that whole period 
but yeah, for some reason they went with Friday, and I think that that's the biggest thing for me is like Alex Glenn was a leader all through the twenties in the Toyota Cup. He was playing with a lot of the same players when he got into first grade. He was always that sort of smarter, older footballer despite his age. Um, and yeah, I just think he's been a great servant. He's obviously last few years haven't been great, but you know, time for him to move on. He's been a great That's Broncos great. player. So yeah. Yeah, the last years can't help but leave a sour taste in your mouth. That's a fact. But I, I do feel sorry for Lexi in that regard that like you know, he had did dream of being a Broncos captain, did dream of what's happening to him. It did come too late. And his memories of a Broncos captain is going out as the worst captain, like in record wise of Broncos history. And yeah. you know, he he last year he only played eight games. This year he had some fitness issues. It, it's tough for him to go out like that, but there's no doubt that he, you know, legend of a human always has been a leader of men. A lot of those young Broncos look up to him, even to this day. Like Ricky Jordan, Ricky been around for like two years, and yeah. his mum is like tweeting anyone who mentions Alex Glenn for the last like three weeks, like saying Alex Glenn's the best thing that ever happened to my son, kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is, and you can see. see that in Alex. Like, there's I don't think there's a single person that's got a bad word to say about him away from the footy field like you know yeah. the footy field performances and stuff they are what they are everyone's been there we know that he's not who he used to be that's fine we get that but not a single person that i've spoken to or know has said a single word about alex glenn that isn't glowing praise away from the field so yeah, yeah. obviously a great human a great servant for the club and yeah i think he'll be i think he'll stay around the club but it's just what happens and yeah I was with him. I was locked on. I was certain in like 2011, 2012, we had those two really good seasons, like nine tries in 2011, 13, 2012. But like, was just doing whatever job they wanted him to do. He was in centers, in the back row, whatever. I was certain at that point that, oh, that guy is going to be a captain of this team. He is like yep. a good team player, can see he's a leader. He gave a shit about the results. You could yeah. see he cared. And it just never worked out for him. And then it's, it's a long time into his career now, but in 2016, he lost his starting job. And he's never really been a guaranteed starter until he got the captaincy since then. But, you know, that's actually like five or six years of his Broncos career now that he was, he hung yeah. on to, but he hung on to playing for Brisbane because he never wanted to leave the club. Like he was getting one year deal or back at the end of the year deal, shit deals for the last like six years. And he almost left to go to Penrith, I believe, before he got the captaincy because that was it. But that's a dude who like in the end, it is, it's time. We're glad it's over on the field, but. You know, got to respect a guy that loved that club like a fan of the club and held on for dear life to not let go yeah. to, to let yeah. with him. I just hope he doesn't have some sort of gender reveal after this game. Yes, that'd be that'd be nice to not see. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> bizarre that yeah, he's finishing on 285 games. It's like you poor bastard. <laughs> like yeah. last yeah, year in the coronavirus, it sucks he'd not get the three hundred. Yeah, he, I mean, if there was a player that, like, actually truly did deserve 300 games, it's Tim. Yeah. And, yeah, it just, um, as you said, mate, he did every job they asked him, good captain. But it has left us with with who the next captain we're going to be. And for some reason, I thought Adam Reynolds was confirmed as it. And then I could never find that article. I confirmed it in my head that he was oh, our captain next it. year. But I could never find that. So it hasn't been said, but, like, that's like 95% of the thing, right? It'd be the captain, right? Oh, it, uh, it 95% is being generous. I think it's like 99%. I don't, yeah. I can't imagine them signing Adam Reynolds and then picking, let's say, a Carrigan as captain. I just can't see it happening. Yeah. Reynolds is going to be the captain. Um, uh, yeah, that's, I don't think it, it's pretty much open shut for me. I don't think there's any other option. 
Yeah, and I do feel like there's this talk about locking down Carrigan, which I don't love, but I didn't realize he was off contract next year already. So whatever, they'll talk to him. But like, there's talk about you know future Broncos captain, and all I can think at this time is the same thing of Alex Glenn is like, is he actually good enough to be the captain? Like Glenn, once he was no longer confirmed fully in the side, you can't make that guy your captain. Carrigan yeah. is not good, and he's not in the best thirteen. So I think that one of those things that they'll talk about being a future captain for years. I'm not sure it's ever going to come. Yeah, again, I'm I'm with you there. Like, I mean, uh, unless he puts in like a heck of a performance next year as yeah. a prop playing 45, 50 minutes, I think he probably starts in the front row next year. Yeah. I think he takes Flegler's spot. Just, I think Flegler's got a higher upside. Flegler's, well, I mean, when I say Flegler's dumber, Carrigan has given away his fair share of bad penalties and bad set restarts. So, you know, I think Flegler's got more to him than what Carrigan does. Carrigan's probably a fraction safer. Um, but yeah, again, with you, I'm not sure he's in the, the best 13 that we can possibly put out. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, mate. And uh, I know, in, and then the thing to talk about his contract extension, again, it was a lot of about who the play, person he was, not the player he was. And yeah, it's and great, he's a great player. But yeah, no, it's, it's great that you guys think all that about him, but like, you paid for the 80 minutes on the field. Yeah. Mostly, you know, so we'll see what happens there. But, you know, I, I hope he's in that rotation up front. I feel like he has to be, the game is different to what it was a few years ago. He is just not mobile enough to play 13. And look, and when you think about it, like Haas has got a bigger motor than him and he's not playing the yeah. full 80. So they can't, yeah. they can't be blinded by his personality off the field yeah. to go, yeah, you're a third, you're an 80 minute lock. Like, I mean, a lot of locks aren't even playing 80 minutes nowadays. So, yeah, they've got to be I mean, smarter way, the way they use him. And I know tries aren't everything for forwards, but he's played 46 games and not scored a try as a lock. Yeah, That's a bad. lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, like, Xavier Willison just followed a kick once and scored. Kobe Heatherton scored twice. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not great. <laughs> no, that's definitely not good. I mean, granted, he probably wasn't playing in when we were going as well as okay, we are now, yeah. either, but, but still, you've got to do better than that. Do and before we move on, what do you reckon of the to the questions that is? What do you reckon of our chances this weekend? And do you even care? Oh, I mean, I always care, yeah. but um, you know, it came out today that Frizzell's being rested as well, so they're going to be down. I think six of their normal starters. Um, again, are we playing at Suncorp or we're playing in Queensland? We're playing at Suncorp again. Okay, yeah. So I mean, never leaving, mate. <laughs> yeah, uh, they should. If the the Knights are obviously going to be down a few of their bigger names, they've still got Ponga playing and probably Pierce. Yeah. But um, you know, we can win the middle there. That's not a that's not a middle pack I'd be afraid of with ours coming up against. It's just about executing and you know, as has been the problem, icing a game. So I think if it gets close, they'll lose it. Um, yeah. But if we can get ahead and you know put some points on early, then. I think they can actually win. You know, it might not be 24 plus or anything like that, but I think they can definitely win. Yeah, agreed, mate. I don't think anything different there. I think that they're missing forwards, so that, that's going to be a battle with them off the bench. And, like, it's what the bench has Corey Pakes, David Mead, Reese Kennedy, PC Rabadi, and they've dropped off. There's no forwards in the reserves, so who knows what's going to happen there. But, yeah, I, I think it's a winnable game, but... uh I, I just, again, it's about seeing the signs at this point. I'd love to get another win. I'd love to not finish 15th. Yeah, uh, getting another I'm would be terrific. Yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, if they're looking for another forward, obviously 
carrying me, you just put meat on the wing and oats into the onto the back yeah. onto one edge or something like that. Um, you know, if if that's where we've got to go. Um, but yeah, I think I, another win would be good. It's probably deserved. We've probably deserved at least another win um, with some of our performances recently. Obviously, the Roosters game was a bit hard to swallow, but yeah. so they're probably they're probably due another a good win. Um, yeah, it'd be be nice to get out in front of the Cowboys. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll go into questions uh, before we wrap up. Not going to ask them all because there's a bazillion of them, but I'll go over to Facebook first. Uh, Western Blanche says, what we've seen of Tessie, is he our starting fullback next season? Um, he probably is our starting fullback next year. Um, yeah. Just given that he's performed pretty well for the last six to eight weeks. I'm not sold that he will be our long-term fullback as we spoke about earlier, but I do do think he'll probably get the role to start next year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this one, Blake Panilla says, can we give a shout out to my boy Monks? Cowboys fan and his funeral was just on. It was only 30. So can we oh. please let him know the Broncos should have won the 2015 grand final and first one ever be an immortal, which is not nearly as good as Lockyer. <laughs> Thanks, boys, and see you guys in 2020. If if your mates just died, you're, you're giving him that. <laughs> fair, fair play. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true friendship. That is right. Uh, uh, okay, Jake Package. Boys, earlier this year, Arsenal Broncos should play Selwyn Cobbo, and you guys said your intel said he was more of an L.A. McDonald player. No, I didn't say that. I said I quoted someone who said that, alluding to him being average. You still hold those thoughts. Uh, no, the, um, it was more he's not next Latrell. He's not. Yeah, that was a big thing. You know, this always comes out when there's – a bigger athletic indigenous fella that you know comes yeah. into grade or is you know knocking on the door of first grade it's got to be the next someone english you know a lot of these mm. indigenous boys have a very similar running style they're very languid you know they mm. they're rangy sort of characters they've got that really good fend for the most part um very strong so Cobo is obviously a bit that way as well um i think more so it's also just trying to play down the comparisons Correct. You know, it's not like let's not call them Latrell or GI. Let's, you know, let's let them grow up and become the player that whoever they might be. Selwyn Cobo could just be Selwyn Cobo, and that's yeah, also fine. He looks good, and I didn't. Think there was any rush to play him this year, but he he's filled in, done his job there. I think he's been better at centre so far. But looking forward to him seeing, get in the weight room, have a full off season, see what comes out next year. But yeah, I've been happy with his performance. Uh, Daniel Gauchi asks, what point do you change the name from Broncos Weekly? Um, I'll answer this one. I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. It's like, well, I don't want to do a name change, but it's more like Broncos when I feel likely. <laughs> like, or like Broncos when I can get someone else to talk with me. Weekly. <laughs> I don't know. Broncos sparingly. Uh, yeah, Broncos sparingly, yeah. Uh, Scott Fellows asks, what do we do with Asako? Uh, just get rid of him. He can be elsewhere next year. I mean, I- I've been... Jermaine's biggest fan since he started playing first grade. But you have been. Even I can see that he just doesn't fit into our team next year. It just he just doesn't. Yeah, and uh, I've liked him for a long time as well. I did pull that up the other day. We've kicked eight kickoffs this year out on the full or not gone ten. Eight times. Like some clubs haven't done that in the last six years. Haven't done eight. <laughs> We've done it this season. I thought so. we were up like twelve. It felt like it was more than that, but like it's a lot. It's still a lot. But yeah, I like Jermaine, but the 
the mistakes remain. And I think we've seen now that he's out of the side and we haven't missed him. And Matt, I don't know if he'll go anywhere next year either, but one of those guys, again, all the best once you leave, I hold no grudges. Like if he goes somewhere. Uh, and I hope he does go somewhere else and succeed because he's got all the talent in the world um, to be a very good winger. You know, he can still be a good fullback if a team needs him, but yeah, like I said, he's got all the talent in the world. I really hope he can find, you know, his place in a first grade side because I think he actually is a first grader. Yep. Uh, oh, this one from our friend uh, Eddie NZ said, who's the most improved this year and who's gone backwards? Uh, I mean, improved one. is a hard one because it's been, no one's really had that consistent sort of run. I mean, Tessie's last eight weeks compared yeah. to his first stint in first grade has probably been uh, the biggest improvement. Um, it's tough. Like guys, I think Haas has been great again, but we've exactly. had such a, a lot of the guys you expected better from them anyway. So it's hard to say, oh, you know, Herbie Farnworth has jumped out of his skin. So, yeah. I, I would almost, it sort of feels like Turpin's gone backwards a little bit, if I'm yeah. being honest. I, I would, I was a little bit more excited about him being the hooker last year. Um, and he just doesn't feel like he's taken a step forward um, this season. Uh, Ricky Defensively fantastic, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I love him in defense. Ricky went back for a little bit, but now his last six weeks have been uh, very good again. Um, I don't know, Flegler had a really bad period of just giving away the dumbest penalties every single week and not defending yeah. well. But I feel like, like, you know, this is a guy at the start of the season who was shirt grabbing tackles and then he's been suspended for hitting people too hard, essentially. Like he's improved in that, that facet. So, yeah, he uh, does. I, and I do I hope he actually continues to be aggressive in the way that he plays footy, but just lowers his target spot a little yeah. bit. Like that's all he needs to do, just lower his target because I like his aggressiveness is good. He's a tough bloke. He's quick, so he can get out of the line at people. Um, yeah. It's just about now being smarter. So, God, but yeah, okay, to answer your question, I don't know. Tessie's improved pretty well. Harses is he is what he is. Um, I don't think anyone's really gone that far actually, backwards. I mean, Milford's gone into the ground, but he was on his way there already. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Keenan. That's probably the most improved. Yeah, that's fair. He was good. Uh, uh, Catfish SC asks, who in the current Bronco squad is most likely to go on a Valhome-style attempt at the NFL and then follow up? Question, who should do it? Well, I think Haas should if he's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's our best athlete. But I think Herbie's footwork is very reminiscent of the NFL. Like, I, I think he Wide could actually, yeah. yeah, he could run some of the, um, some of the routes that the NFL boys do. Yeah, and just over to Twitter, last few questions before we finish up. Uh, Danny Boy asks, will our 13-plus thrashing of the Knights help them be better prepared for their 13-plus thrashing in the finals week one? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no doubt in my so. mind. Uh, uh, Stymo asks, does Kelly being a heads-up player similar to Cody Walker mean he starts in a six with medals next year? Uh, we've been through this, and yeah, that's oh, a bad move to start him. No. If Stags doesn't work out after six weeks, then then we can look at it. Uh, Cameron Archer says, 2020 fullback, uh, Tessie Nui or Cobb Cobo? And is there still belief in Osako? Uh, well, I mean, that. yeah, no belief. Well, not so much no belief. There's belief, but just at another club. And we think Nui, or Tessie Nui will be the fullback that would still love Cobo to get a shot. Yeah, I just like the stuff with the Sarko, and maybe if the team improves, we can deal with them. We're just not very good at dealing. Like the mistakes are going to happen. Then some guys, like Daniel Tupo, for example, at the Roosters, has sometimes like a five or six week period where he can't catch shit, but they're good enough to deal with it. 
Mm. We're not good enough to deal with like some games. This, we had a game this year when like Asako, Oates, and Tessie all dropped a kick each. And it's like, we're not going to win that game. We're not good no. enough to win those games. So, you know, Asako has still mistakes in his game and still like when he played last, you know, he made a couple of breaks in the right hand side. And when he kicked the ball away, that was his last game he played. I was like, mate, you just got to stop doing that shit. The worst thing about Jermaine is as soon as the first mistake comes, the floodgates open. And that's his biggest. He's just got no defensive or, you know, he's got no steel in his mind to be able to push that to the side and just get on with the game. It just snowballs, gets worse and worse. And Cameron also asked, are we getting a preseason pod? It's like, well, yes, obviously, but... uh... I have I have got a pod lined up with our good friend Chris Gary again, but I'm trying to save it for the right time. There's not really any scoop season right now, is it? It's like this is the dead zone. We need like the October zone for, <laughs> for, for scoops, don't we? But uh, last question, Mert asks, can we take a deep dive into the Payne Haas situation and Bedell versus Widler? Well, I mean, we don't know what's ta- yes. Can you simplify into what's taking place? I don't know what's taking place. Yeah, you know. yeah, I mean, uh, Wadler and Sonny Bill and that sort of thing seem to be on the same page. Um, yeah. So whether it's Wadler or uh, getting his info from Sonny Bill or, or Kota Nassau, whoever it may be, I think he was the one that actually broke the Sonny Bill leaving the dog story all those yeah. years ago. But um, it's just different leaks, hey? It's like, yeah. and that's what's exhausting. But I mean, you know, yeah. as soon as anyone's linked to Sonny Bill or Kota Nassau, everyone just thinks they're automatically walking out on a club. Because that's yeah. what Sunny Bill did, when it could just be something completely different. So I mean, it's a it's an issue that I'm sure you know James Hooper and the boys will be waxing lyrical about <laughs> in the next six to eight weeks. So we'll see. It will be. And I just realized we got through an entire podcast and we barely mentioned Kevy. That's weird. I mean, I just thought we just did. No it questions about him, yeah. No, yeah, it's, I'm happy not to sit here talking about him because we all kind of know what we feel about him. But yeah, I have been upset, and I'll mention it now anyway. That he just like he got Gordy to go at the bunker, his mate. But mate, those calls we copped, just say something, man. Yeah, just, just say something because you know you look at Robbo last week going at the bunker, going at Henry Perinara, going at the NRL, going at the referees. Yeah, they've copped a fine. Politis is obviously going to pay it. And yeah. he's come out this week and doubled down, and he said, "Yeah, I don't. I'm not sorry. Like, it's true what I said." Yeah, got to stand up for the boys sometime. You do. You got to stand up for your footy club as well. Like, just because we've been bad for the last couple of years doesn't mean that we should cop bad calls just because we're we haven't been yeah. a great team. You know, there's a the whole thing the game. about refereeing consistency and winning games. Like, this could be your job on the line if you get those bad calls, you know, if you get a few of those and all of a sudden we're a team that's six wins rather than 10 and yeah. you lose your job because of that, that you got to show some spine, you got to show some balls. Yeah, I know. And we've seen it like the NRL dismissed the, not the, not the put down that that was wrong. Anyway, what was the prior one they dismissed? I forget. They dismissed the one of the, oh, the, the incorrect challenge. I don't let a challenge the way they challenged. And it just got dismissed because Kevin didn't whinge about it. And it's like, that's all you need to do is just bring it how ridiculous it was. You don't have to whinge. And I know they don't want to have outside excuses because they came into what they thought was a culture full of excuses last year, which is true. Yeah. But it doesn't mean in some occasions you stand up for the boys and say, like, we got fucked. That yeah. happened. That was fucked. Whatever. We dealt with it. Rather than I know he wants to make the, the team own every result. 
But sometimes, like, yeah, as Robbo did, Robbo's a fantastic coach. You've got to play the game sometimes. And you've got to have, and it's true, the subconscious bias in sport, you've got to have them afraid of fucking your team. You don't yeah. want to fuck the Broncos. Yeah, because you get pasted in the media for the next week following it. Yeah, no, exactly right. You fuck the Roosters. And even weeks like that, we all know they're hypocrites, okay? That part doesn't matter. But there's times where their players, you know, do something stupid doesn't doesn't do that much but the roosters when they feel like they get hard done by there's back pages you know there's that stupid penalty for and against table on look out there robo has a swing and then they get calls yeah what a shock let's have a swing kevy anyway <laughs> i think that's enough for the podcast anything you want to say before we get out of here benny no mate we uh last game of the year so let's hope we Went put fast. a good performance and uh let's you know hope for a win that's all we can ask for yeah that's it. Anyway, thanks for coming on, Benny. Uh, we'll talk to you all in the next one week, two week, three, four week, two, one to 12 week period. I'm sure I'll be back. Uh, thanks, listen, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 